All right. Hey, I'm James, and I am so excited to be here. I know already a number of you extremely well because there's been a lot of prayer ministry going on, <laughs> which is good. But you get to know each other really, really quickly. All right, so how do I start this? Play from beginning. And it disappears. And there it goes. I am a recent Mac person, so I'm still in transition. But this was a gift. So I'm very, very happy, but a little confused. <laughs> Where did it go? We had it. I know, we had it, and then it... See, because the... Yeah, you know... All these, all these computer guys keep saying, oh, I can make that better. It's like, yeah, but I don't know what they're doing anymore. Hey, now. Woo! All right. First try. Next guy. Thank you, tech support. My pleasure. I'm going to put that here. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm going to tell my story, uh, and it has a lot to do with the hill uh, and a lot to do with grace. And a lot to do with dun, ba, da, da. help me. What the whirling wheel? Oh, look at that happy family! No, this is it. God is good. God is good. That's what we're talking about tonight. So, if you have your uh, mobile Bible, or if you have your paper Bible, yeah, Bible Bible, the real Bible, the one that doesn't have the whirly wheel. <laughs> then go to Psalm 145. Because this weekend's going to be all about drawing near to God. And the first thing that we need to really talk about is God's goodness. Because if you don't really think God is good, then why would you draw near? And if you're like me, you'll find that you know God is good, but part of your heart says God is good, and part of our hearts remains unconvinced. So uh, we're going to work on getting a little working that out so that we're more convinced of God's goodness and more excited to draw near. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But I wanted to start with Psalm 145 just because this is um, a great psalm of God's goodness and I can also talk about myself for a long time and that may not be the best word to begin with. Um, psalm 145 is a psalm of praise. Uh, one, the last five of the psalms are all psalms of praise. They're laudate psalms, laudate psalms. And uh, 145 is actually an acrostic. Any crossword puzzle people out there? Acrostic means that um, every... It's, it's part of Hebrew poetry, um, uh, a way of of structure and poetry is that every line will begin with successive level a letter of the alphabet. So Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Wow, Zion, all the way to the end. And that's what this is, and it's a mnemonic device because they did that because this is a psalm that needs to be memorized so that they would be able to say it again and again and again because, again, it's just talking about God's goodness and it's something that is real important for us to rehearse because there's so many messages bombarding around and within that are saying different. So let's go through this 
and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. So this is Psalm of Praise of David. I will exalt you, God the King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, his greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord holds all who fall. He lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you're so good. We thank you for the generations before us that have been speaking that word uh, that they received. We thank you for the ways in which you've showed your goodness to them and that they've passed on those stories of goodness to us. We thank you for the ways in which you are working a story of goodness in our lives where we are seeing that these promises are true. That you... That, that, that all you're faithful in everything that you do, that when we fall, you uphold us, that if we're bowed down, you lift us up, that when we're hungry, you give us food, that you satisfy our desires. We thank you for the splendor of your kingdom, that you've invited us in to be a part of this kingdom, and you're revealing your splendor in us and through us and inviting others to be a part of this wonderful, wonderful, powerful Lord, bless us this night and give us continued glimpses and assurances of your goodness in our lives and in our world. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So God is, is good and God is real. And the fact that you're here blesses me beyond anything you can imagine because you guys are from a church on the hill. And you haven't been taking crazy pills. God is good. I remember I did a, a talk once at the Canterbury Pub, you know, up on 15th and Mercer. It was called the Theology Pub. It was a, I don't know if you remember Simon Cunningham. He was a big, tall, skinny Dutch guy who was starting a CRC church on the hill. He was doing this internet thing where he was getting people together and we were talking. And he had had a Christian atheist the week before. And I'm like, Christian atheist? What is that, like a vegetarian that eats meat? I mean, how does that work? Anyway, so 
he wanted me to come and speak. And I said, okay, I'll come and speak. And he goes, so what's your topic? And I said, the topic is, it's all true. <laughs> it's all true. Heaven, hell, God, Jesus, angels, devils, it's all true. And I remember there were about 25 people in the room, and I introduced my topic, and it just this looks of absolute unbelief on their face, like, where did you dig up this room? I mean, I've heard of naivete, but boy, this guy is going for it. He's got that blind drawn tight. And I was so much pushback. There's one guy in the back who just kept giving me abuse, giving me abuse. He's you know, and finally I said, you know what, you've used up all your questions. I'm sorry. There's no more questions for you. You will be quiet for the rest of the night. Because <laughs> I saw that there was a spirit behind him that was really, I mean, there was an evil spirit that was really charging him. And it was funny, he just went, zoop. And at the end of the night, there's another guy who was an atheist, came up to him and said, hey, that was great the way you gave me up, what for? And then this guy started loading into him. And I said, that, this guy's just cantankerous. But it blesses me that you're from the hill because I, it's been a calling on my life since 19... Well, there's this story. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about my story. Because with the goodness of God, look what they did. It disappeared. Uh, no. There we go. God is good. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my lovely family. That's me, my wife Christy. Um, I have four boys: Dexter, Timothy, Micah, and Brendan. They've all spent lots and lots and lots of time on the hill. Uh, this is Siobhan, which is Timothy's girlfriend, and Emily, which is Micah's girlfriend. These guys are married, Liz and Dexter, and they pastor church down in Longview. Uh, this was just from last weekend. Isn't that lovely? Now, the reason I show this to you is to say that this is evidence that God is good. Because this is really good. Because <coughs> raising a family is really hard. And there's all kinds of wonky stuff that can happen. But this is not the way that it began. This was our church, Capitol Hill Press. I don't know if you've seen it. It's in the corner of Howell and Harvard. So you guys are on Howell and uh, 11th. So if you were to walk due west and go up and over the park, across the street, between the Math and Science Building and the uh, Thomas Edison Building, you, that's where we are right now. And... Um, this, we started this church in Easter of 2006. It was actually Westminster Presbyterian Church. Before that, it was founded in 1896 from a church split from First Pres. And then I was pastoring a, a, a Presbyterian church down in Lower Queen Anne, and uh, we needed space. And what we did is that we came together and ended both churches and started a new church development here, a new, a new work, because that was what God was telling us that He wanted to do a new thing. Um, and then we were there for a dozen years on the hill. Uh, we used to pray for your church building. I was part of a group of pastors that would walk through Cal Anderson Park uh, every Wednesday for years, years. Prayed all through the light rail station, back before it was light rail station. 
would pray for the, the German-speaking church that was before the Calvary was there, when you guys were there, and just would pray blessings. And it was amazing the impact that had. We do street outreaches, we work with the homeless people, we tell them about Jesus. Uh, and this is where a lot of the Holy Spirit's, this is where most of the Holy Spirit stuff that I'm involved in came, because what happened is that when we came onto the hill, I found that the tools I've been given in seminary didn't have enough firepower. They didn't have enough oomph. And uh, that's when I found that the Bible talked about more, the more, um, the, the power of prayer, the reality of spiritual warfare, the reality of the spiritual gifts, you know, tongues and healing and miracles and all of that. And that's amazing the way that we uh, found that here, but we found it through desperation. This was actually the beginning of a waterfall because we had seen um, in, in, in prayer a picture of water coming out of the, the building and um, going out into the neighborhood. Oh, Lord, help me. Um, and then bringing water into the neighborhood. And it's been amazing to see how the change, the spiritual change, that the, the, the neighborhood is lighter than it was. That you could feel it. And we're not just the only ones. There were other people. They've been doing street outreach, been walking the, the streets, um, been working with the homeless, but just been praying for the hill. Um, so to see you guys there is just such a blessing. You know, um, I remember when I went to Africa with World Vision, and um, we were in Tanzania in this church way out in the bush, and um, I was the preacher because, of course, I was the white guy from the United States. So, and in Africa, in this particular place in Africa, they went well. If you're in America, you're you're rich and Christian. So, what else do you need? And so they had these big stars in their eyes, and I said, look, can I tell you what's really going on? Um, and I began to describe life on the hill. And they were like, no, you're kidding me. You know, because I said, I talked about having all the food you wanted, I talked about having all the entertainment you wanted, and then I talked about, you know, getting in a car and driving to a, a special building where then you would exercise. And then you get back in your car and you drive back to your house. And they're like, what? <laughs> because these were all people that walked to get their own water. Right? I mean, these were these were natives that were living with their animals in you know a very primitive state. They're very poor, uh, and we were working with them through World Vision to bring education and healthcare and water. And it was a wonderful work. Um, and. Uh, and, and then I talked about people being bored, and I talked about turning to drugs, and they were like, what? And then I talked about turning to witchcraft, and that's when they went, no. They, 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 it was like, I could see the look of skepticism, because they would say nobody would do that, because you see, they were people that came out of witchcraft and into the kingdom, because they were all Maasai. And it was sort of like they had been living in the sewer they had been brought out and cleaned off, and then they were set free. And it was like saying that people jump back into the sewer. It's like, why would anyone do that? And I said, you need to pray for us. And so the whole congregation got up. I mean, and, and, and there was nine of us, and they all, all from, from, from here, and they all gathered around us. And they all began praying in Maasai and in Swahili and tongues. And loud, like really loud. It was amazing. It was amazing, and it was such a blessing. 
And I said, pray for us. And I remember my translator came up and said, and he goes, so you know, I'm going to remember to pray for you. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it was uh, reverse evangelism. And then I also learned, and that's where I actually began learning about uh, deliverance ministry and healing ministry too. Um, because that was normal. <laughs> anyway. Um, but my roots in Capitol Hill go back further. Um, I, this is, did anybody recognize this building? Hey you, Capitol Hillites. It's on Capitol Hill. It's on uh, 10th Avenue East. Yes, it's the old, it's the St. Nicholas School for Girls. It's right next to St. Mark's, right here. So it's the Episcopal uh, School. What's that? Uh, um, the big realization. That's all. Well, it's sort of pretty, and you don't see the big gymnasium right here. And, but this is, uh, in 1984, I came to Seattle and was an acting student at Cornish, and this is where Cornish was. The bottom level was the acting students, and these were the design students on this floor, and the artists were on this floor. This was my voice and speech class, this is where I did theater history, this was the theater office. Anyway, um, and this is where I met my wife. Um, and so, and we spent, uh, I spent three years there, um, way back in the 80s, back in the olden days. Back when I had a one-bedroom apartment on Capitol Hill for three hundred dollars a month. Yeah. <coughs> oh yeah. It was also pretty dark back then too. There were skinheads, uh, you know, with Nazi tattoos and shaved heads and the big jack boots, and you know they were they were gloomers. There were these people that were they were all dressed in black and they all had black. They looked like Marilyn Manson. You know, and they and their lifestyles were like end of days lifestyles in terms of just decadence and poverty and drugs and sex parties and just it was just it was it was awful. Uh, there was uh, the gay scene was off the hook in terms of a lot of stuff that you would see people in public with dog collars and chains and stuff like that. It was, but it was really cheap to live on too. Um, it was also here, I want to get some children in the room here too, okay, so I'm just going to talk about, the reason I'm going to talk about this is I'm going to tell a little bit about my story, and I'm, I'm going to be careful too, um, because some of my story is not ready for kids. All right, this, you don't recognize, but this is 19th and Cherry, and it was in this room right here where my wife had her first encounter with God. 19th and Cherry. Um, we had been dating a week, and she wasn't a Christian. Uh, she, and she called me up. She was all excited. She said, God is shining in through the window, and, and his light is love. But I, and I want to go into the light, but if I do, the light is going to expose my sin. And I know what, cause that's why I want to stay in the darkness, but I want to come into the light, but I know if I do, I'm going to have to confess my sin. I don't know what to do. And I said, well, you need to read 1 John. She starts reading 1 John. Because that's exactly this. That's what the voice is telling me. The Holy Spirit began telling her 1 John, speaking to her. This is like one of those stories you hear from places where there's no gospel witness. 
because she had come from Southern California in Orange County in a family where there was no gospel witness. In fact, she had brought a Bible home once when she was 16 because she had had an encounter with God and she had a friend give her a Bible. And her stepdad looked at her and said, that book needs to leave or you need to leave. I will not have that book in my home. That's the kind of background that she came from. So then God sovereignly visited her here. And so for me, it's like a little holy place on the hill because that's where she became a Christian. And then um, we were going to Wallingford Presbyterian, sorry, going to Wallingford Presbyterian Church soon after that. And she got baptized in Greenlight and anyway was discipled. And we spent our whole dating life on the hill talking about God and theater and arts and love <laughs> and feeding squirrels. You know, anyway, so our whole dating life was on the hill. And, and then to come, and so, and then I ended up being an actor on the hill, uh, an actor in town. But she didn't marry a pastor, she married an actor. And then later God called me into ministry, and, and, then, and then later in his providence brought me back to the hill, brought us back to the hill to do ministry together in a church that had arts right at the heart of it. So, um, anyway, our, 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 our love for the hill is deep. So all that's good, right? However, it's not the whole story. Um, because when I was... <laughs> when I came to the hill, I came to the hill as about as perfect a Christian as you could be. I was pretty close. And... Um, in fact, at the end of my first year, my wife and I uh, left to go to India to be missionaries. And then it was because I thought the world was going to end, because I read a book by David Wilkerson that said the world was going to end soon. Actually, he said that, 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 the United States, that New York City was going to be blown up by a, a nuclear bomb because they were the Mystery Babylon in Revelation, and, and I was like, okay, I think that's true, and if you think that, and I think that's going to include Seattle, and if you think it's going to happen, then you need to go off and be a missionary. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm just, I'm basically taking it apart, because I was, I was, I was a going for it Christian, I was going for it. I also found out that when we were in India that my wife had also lost her faith, which was a surprise to me. And then when we came back, um, I went into a, a, a time in the wilderness where God stopped speaking, and I didn't hear from him for about a year and a half. I ended up going back to Cornish, and as I was involved in the program, I started, my perfect Christian self started to come apart. Because as an actor, you have to do things and say things and go to places that perfect Christians don't go to. And I started acting in ways that were unrecognizable. And um, basically, long story short, my marriage fell apart. And it was almost as if I was standing outside myself watching my life fall apart. And I didn't recognize who I was anymore. I was going to leave the program, but the director said, he said, you know, he said, this actually happens in the acting program, and uh, if you believe that what is going on inside of you, if there's something true going on, pursue that, don't run from it. And I thought that was true, 
because it, it, it was. And um, what happened, I ended up betraying my marriage vows. Uh, we ended up splitting up. And my 30th birthday, I spent a day of prayer and fasting. I just said my life is over. I have. Because for an evangelical and a Catholic, because I was raised Catholic, you can murder people, you can sell drugs, you can, you can put together, you can build the East Coast a Ponzi scheme that beggars, you know, half the population, but don't break your marriage vows. <laughs> and I took that very seriously. I was, I was, I, I said, that is it. I am, I am complete and total failure. And I didn't hear anything. I didn't get any voices. I didn't get anything. I was like, God was probably going, yeah, you're right, you're a mess. <laughs> but what happened? <laughs> he caught me. Um, I had, I, I was living on my own at that point in that $300 apartment, which was a great gift because I didn't have much money. Um, my wife went to Ithaca, New York. She had actually been involved with someone else for a year and a half, which I found out, so that was weird. Um, but that was over. And it was, it was two weeks later where I first met Christy. And then the week after that where she got saved. And then we went to this little... Um, we went to Wallingford Presbyterian Church, which was a block from Calvary Chapel that was meeting in the Lincoln High School. Back in the day, back in the olden days, in the 80s. Um, and it was a little group of people that were around, their average age was around 75, and there were about 40 in this little church, and they just embraced my, the girl I was dating, who at that point was from a horrific background and needed a lot of love, and me, who was feeling like a complete and total ignoramus and failure, and they loved us. And I experienced grace. Because before, what I realized is that in my zeal, I was really earning my favor with God. I had no idea. If you had told me that, I would have told you with a straight face, no, I, I know about grace. And I'm not saying you need to have a colossal failure to really understand grace. It just was just my story. That I, and they loved us back to wholeness. They loved me back to wholeness. And my wife loved me back to wholeness. I'd actually gotten married to this other woman because I was on a church retreat in my early 20s, and God told her that we were going to get married. And me and my enthusiasm for God said, well, I guess that how, that's how it works. <laughs> Don't. Don't do that. Marry someone because you want it. If you have to ask God, should I marry this person or not, you might want to wait. The better prayer is, God, if you don't stop me, I'm going to marry this girl. <laughs> I like her. That's the better prayer. <laughs> or the girl or the guy saying, I just want to be there. Because for Christy, when I was with her, I felt like I was at home. And that was lovely. And it was unexpected, and it was, uh, it was grace-filled. Um, but my story is that God is good and it has nothing to do with our earning his favor. So all those things read in here one generation declaring to the next generation, it has to do with the fact that God's goodness actually is, <coughs> as, we, as we walk with him, 
even in our cluelessness, he will begin to reveal his goodness in ways that are very practical. I mean, I have so many stories of God's provision. I mean, um, uh, even even the, the, the hill, coming back years later, it was so interesting that to drive to that church building, I had to go past places where every day when I'm coming into church, where I was at my lowest moment. So I was reminded coming to the church that it's by grace that I stand. So I could never get, I, could, I would try to be, get all big and puffed up, but I had all these reminders of clay feet that for me were important. I like to think that I'm all that. I mean, who doesn't? Um, but it just it, it, it kept me from it. Just kept it. Just made me aware of it, of where I was from, uh, and it also gave me a, a deep love for the hill because I saw other people that were just, again, not knowing they're lost, wearing those chains, proud. I got chains. Look at that man. I'm going to accessorize with my sin. It's like no. Um, so God is good I'm just going to read it one more time and then I'm going to have us do an exercise okay because I'm going to do this in each of my times It's because this is all about trying to get you guys together and talking to each other and working on some stuff okay I will exalt you, God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name for an ever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. So, I'm going to have you uh, do a little work then. I want you to break into groups of two or three. And what I want you to do is just share signs of God's goodness from the last past week. Just where you've seen it. It could be just little things. You know, um, I was walking on the sidewalk and I saw a heart, you know, scratching on the sidewalk. 
My wife used to do that. She used to look for signs of love on the hill and she'd take pictures. She has, we have a whole collage at home of little pictures of, and it's called Love on the Hill. You know, because it's, it's, cause I would always be, oh, there's spiritual battle up here. Oh, there's demons over here. There's people in this meeting. And you'd be like, you know, I see love all over the place. And I'll say, yeah, I need to listen to you. So signs of goodness from this past week. And then share areas in your life where you're struggling with God being good. You know, there's areas where you're going, I don't know. And then pray for a word of truth or encouragement that points towards the hope in the midst of the struggle. So in terms of where that areas of struggles, if the other person can listen maybe for a word of scripture or a word of hope or something, and then just Done early, we'll have 